You like that song? If you got a Bible this morning, I've got readers. We didn't get readers, I don't suppose. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of stuff I want to go through this morning. Needless to say, I'm coming out of the Word of God. So I I think I'll read a couple before I even start. Uh, How about uh, you stand with me for a minute and I'll pick a couple here. Would you stand? I, I know it's on the screen, but how many brought a Bible? Man, give yourself a round of applause. You got a Bible. Uh, two of you. Uh, I'm going to go to Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to read two verses there. And if you've got a Bible, just open it up and find it. it. Get yourself used to the book. Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. And then the king instructed Aspenaz. Don't you like that name? Wouldn't you like to be called Aspenaz? The master of the eunuchs to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Young men in whom there was no blemish. But good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and of whom they might teach the language, one translation says, or the tongue, of the literature and of the Chaldeans. And then I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and I'm going to read two verses, 1 Corinthians 14, verses 10 and 11. There are... There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, say with me, the meaning of the voice. My message this morning is the power of the voice, the meaning of the voice. I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, a foreigner, a stranger, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian or stranger to me. And then if you would go to Mark's Gospel, the 12th chapter, the 28th verse. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, ask him, which commandment is the first of all? And Jesus answered, the first, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second one is like this, you shall love the Lord, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Wow. Lord, I pray this morning that our heart would be open to grasp the meaning of the voice. That we wouldn't just hear words, but we would hear your voice. The sound of your voice. The essence of your voice. I ask it in the name of the one who came and lived and died and lives again. The one that lives in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There are two approaches to scriptures. One is Antiochian, and you're not going to care about any of this, but one of them is Antiochian and one of them is Alexandrian. If you're from Antioch, you believed in a literal translation of the scriptures. You were probably a descendant of Peter. If you were Alexandrian, you were more of a descendant of Mark, the the student of Peter, and you were more spiritual. And so one is a very literal experience and one is a spiritual experience. And the original fathers, one was John and one was Greg, and they, they looked at the scriptures from a different way. And the literal understanding is where fundamentalists live here. We're still poking people's eyes out. Uh, and it's very literal. And we, do, we create denominations around doctrine literacy. Uh, and the other one is the spiritual understanding, which is far more metaphorical. It points to something beyond itself. 
In other words, it can't just be grasped in the litigious nature of what is written, but it has levels and dimensions. It has nuances to it, and some of it our brain has trouble grasping. It's deeper, and it has multiple layers. It's a mystery, if you will, and mystery, according to Webster, is something that is beyond our understanding in a complete way. Mystery has to do with a revelation that's not fully understood through the mind. It's kind of like saying God is Trinity. How do you grasp God who's three in one? See, see, mystery does not mean that we cannot understand. It just means we'll never fully understand. Mystery denotes that, that not that we should not claim to understand, but that we should not claim to be certain in our understanding. That any time in a Christian way, we are certain that women can or cannot. Anytime we are certain, we're in trouble because we certainly don't know everything yet. In fact, the Bible says we know in part and we prophesy in part. Someday we will know more, right? So we have to live in the mystery of this thing. And I hear people often say God is a mystery. No, God isn't a mystery to be conquered. God is mystery. He is. He isn't a. He is. He is the most mysterious. He is. You step into God and you're into a cloud that you cannot understand. You, you step into God and he is higher and deeper and broader and bigger than you can comprehend in your mind. He, he's, he is mystery. He is something unexplainable. And so when Jesus says, you must love the Lord thy God, you got to love mystery. You got to love swimming out into something that's deeper than ankles and it's over your head and you can't get through it. You got to love being out there. You, you got to love going, I don't know. You've got to love not having all the answers. That's why people like Hank Handegraaff today is now an Orthodox. Because eventually, if you set yourself up to be the answer, anybody remember the answer dude? The answer dude is now Orthodox. The answer dude finally gave up on having all the answers and realized it was far bigger and roller than he is. It's interesting. And so once you really step into this, you've got to love God. You've got to love mystery. You got to embrace that sense that it's beyond you, that it's beyond definition, that it, 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 you have to come to terms with the fact that you're never going to know everything. You got to love mystery, that mystery that's, that never fails, because the Bible says God is love. First John chapter 4 says God is love. So God is love, God is mystery, God is a spirit. So anytime you step over into love, you've stepped into a mystery. Anybody love anybody? It's a mystery. It's a mystery why Annie would love me. It's a mystery why I would love her. See, love is a mystery. You can't reduce love. Listen, I love all of you, and all of you read self-help books, and everybody out there in the self-help world is trying to define love. Love is undefinable. Love is more than actions. Love is more than a feeling. Love is a mystery. And you got to step over into love, and you can't explain love in a book. You can't read it in a book. You don't, listen, you can't explain a kiss until you've had one. And if you've had one, you don't know whether it's good or bad because you've never had one. I love these people in movies and they kiss and, well, it just wasn't there. Honey, anytime two lips meet, that's a kiss. It's a mystery. Who knows? Listen, love is indescribable. It's a mystery. And God is love. And God is mystery. To love the Lord thy God is to love love. And it's to love the mystery of it. And it's to love the reality that it's a spirit. It's beyond comprehension. And, and, and the Bible says you cannot be separated from it. Go read the book. It says you, listen, all of you Pentecostal Armenians who think everybody has to backslide and come back. Listen, the Bible says you cannot, you cannot, you cannot. Say with me, I cannot. I cannot be separated from love because love says I'll never leave. 
He says, I'll never leave. So you can't. Some of you need to chill out and get over it. 1 Corinthians 14 says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Really, spiritual manifestation. See, you're supposed to pursue this love that has already captured you, but to pursue it and desire spiritual manifestations. Listen, love manifests itself in spiritual ways. Love manifests itself in things you don't understand. It mani- love is made manifest in unexplainable ways. So for those people that are nervous with spiritual gifts, can I tell you, you're nervous with love. Because love is beyond the description and it, it ha- makes you do stuff that you wouldn't normally do. The, the second verse right there says, no one understands him, however, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. I mean, love is this mysterious language that comes. Romans 5 says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Spirit so that when the Spirit of God, love, comes, he pours out his love and his mystery and it it just gets messy. Love is messy, don't you know? But my key verse, verse 10 in the 14th chapter, there are many, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world and none of them without significance. Don't you know that every language, voice, or sound depends on how you want to interpret it because English is a stupid language. It's a dumbed-down language, but if you read it in the original languages, it means voice. It doesn't mean the articulable nature of Spanish or English. It means there are many voices, many sounds in the world. Each of them are important. And then it says, therefore, I do not know. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language or the meaning of the voice or the meaning of the sound, I am a stranger, a barbarian, a foreigner to he who speaks. We remain separated, divided from one another. And he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. The word meaning, meaning, the meaning That word meaning in the original language means the power. It's duomus. The power of the voice. If you don't know the power, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit... If you don't know the power of the voice, if you don't know the essence, the nature, the energy, the strength... You ever heard a voice that had just strength? Authority. He speaks of one that has authority. If you don't know that, if you're familiar with Acts chapter 2, here I go, I'm, I'm taking a turn. I said this in first service. i got to back up as I say this in second service. I preach like some women drive. (laughs) Annie drives without blinkers. (laughs) Her conversations are like without blinkers. We'll be going down a subject, and all of a sudden, we're over here. And I'm going, could I get a blinker? It's a left turn. I mean, I thought the subject was this, and now it's over here, and somehow they relate, and they don't relate. Come on, man, help me out, please. <laughs> it's like, I preach that way. I'm kind of, whoop, up, left turn. Yep. How many of you are familiar with Acts chapter 2 and the sound of the rushing mighty wind that filled the place where they were sitting? Anybody know that? That sound, and everybody heard it. And, and, and what they heard was the gospel of Christ in their own language. So they understood. All of you that are afraid of tongues, this is not a message about tongues, but it is. They were afraid of the sound, but they heard the gospel. But the first that really gets you, they're getting the gospel. They understand it, but then they back up and go, what does that mean? It wasn't that they didn't hear the gospel, it's that they didn't get it. 
They didn't understand how could they hear that? What meaneth this? What sound? What's the meaning behind this sound? Not the words of the gospel, but the, listen, a lot of people read this book and they get it. Jesus died, but they don't get it. They get it, but they don't get the meaning of it. They don't get the essence, the energy, the power. It never changes their lives. They get it because they don't want to go to hell. It's a good reason to get it. That's why I got it. I was 12. I didn't want to go there. Sizzle, never mind. But the meaning, what meaneth this? If thou knowest not the meaning of the voice, you are a stranger, separated, you're a foreigner. This God that says, let there be light. This God that sustains all things by the power of his word. This God that sends a word and heals. This God that transforms, transmits by his word. And yet many people are hearing the word this morning, but they don't understand the meaning, the voice, the power, the person behind those words. Sounds. Ding dong. Someone's at the door. There's a sound that goes off in the morning. It goes, Ding! My coffee's ready. How many, how many can recognize sounds? Different sounds. If the, if the fire alarms go off here, guess what we're going to do? Right? If you hear a sound behind you accompanied by a flashing light, you know sounds, right? You recognize the meaning of the sound. It's amazing to me how mothers have this attuned sound. Did you hear that? I didn't hear that. What did you hear? The baby started breathing differently. I didn't hear that. They somehow heard that, right? And it, it triggered something. I, I was, yesterday I went to this ball game and uh, uh, can, the, the, it was a ball game in a gym, you know, big gym, you know how big gymnasiums are and a bunch of nine years old there and they're playing basketball and they got time out and, and their gym was kind of buzzing and all of a sudden I kept hearing this sound and I thought, I know that sound, I can hear what that sound is and, 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 and here's Sean, he's over there and he's knelt down in front of these nine-year-olds and they're looking at him, you know, nine-year-olds generally pick their nose, they don't generally listen to anybody that's talking, but they're standing and all of a sudden I kept hearing this and Sean has the snap that will rip the roof off. Boom, boom, boom. And I knew what that snap meant. Pay the heck attention. And them little boys are going, they're scared to death of that. And we heard the sound of you walking in the garden. And we heard the sound of your voice. And we were afraid. And we hid ourselves. Sounds. Come on, you know sounds. And sounds have nothing to do with the words that are being spoken. In fact, you can miss the words that are being spoken if you don't know the voice of the one that's speaking. Because the voice of the one that's speaking gives authority to the words that are spoken. And you can dismiss the words if you don't know the voice of the one that's speaking. Oh, come on. I, I, you've all done this. I just needed to hear their I didn't need to hear what they were saying. I didn't care what she was saying. I just needed to hear my daughter's voice. I just needed to hear Annie's voice. It didn't matter to me what she was talking about. Some of you are so nervous because you think I'm going to start speaking in tongues and you won't understand it. You don't have to understand it if you know the voice behind it. It's the voice, it's the sound. If you don't understand the meaning of the sound, you're a barbarian, 
You're strange. You're separated. You still don't. Hmm. It's funny. I walked into my daughter's home last Sunday afternoon with one purpose. Watching Kansas City win the championship and go to the Super Bowl. And she messed me up. I walk into that little house and she hands me Breslin. (laughs) Breslin is 12 weeks old. Breslin is life. And now who cares what Mahomes does? Who cares? Because I'm holding Chandler. And it's so interesting to me because, you know, I've seen baby once. That's my grandbaby. And that baby begins to be restless in my arms. And I'm trying to hold this baby. And Ashley comes over my shoulder. And she doesn't say a word. She starts thinking these little sounds. Oh. (laughs) Babies make idiots out of us all. And she starts speaking in tongues. To the baby. You do understand what you call tongues was the language we spoke before they made us dumb it down and speak English. Moments ago, that baby was speaking to God. And it's going to take that baby about two years to slow down and be dumb enough for you to talk to her. So all you nervous Baptists out there, grow up and grow down. And that, that, that mama, And that baby went, oh, just needed to hear mama's sound. You know this is true. And guess what I did? I just started to mimic mama's sound. And all of a sudden, her sound and my sound, and she became comfortable because my sound was intertwined with her sound. And now the essence of mama's love and the essence of papa's love is all the same. And now I can. We made one sound. Not different sounds. All of you idiots out there that think you could have this denomination, that denomination, and your interpretation, your interpretation, you'll never get it. Because there is one voice, one sound, one Father, one God, Lord of us all. We have to all start sounding the same. It doesn't matter your opinion, your interpretation. It matters where the meaning of the voice is the same. Behind it. That sound calmed that baby, comforted its soul. If you know not the meaning of the voice, the force, the power, if you don't understand that it is always a voice of love, because God is, if you preach this word and it doesn't contain love, you're not preaching this word. I don't care if you're reading it verbatim. I don't care. If it's not love when it comes out, if it doesn't bring peace to the hearer and grace to those that hear it, if it doesn't leave them with faith, if it produces fear then it's not the same voice. And I'm concerned today that there are many people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, and yet they remain strangers to the voice. 
There are many, listen, anybody here born again? Anybody here believe that God lives on the inside of them? Oh, 10. Anybody you believe that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God lives in here? Listen, there is no difference. I don't care whether you're Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, or Pentecostals. Pentecostals have lied to you and told you they had something you didn't have. That is a lie. Every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit. Pentecostals sometimes become more aware of the Holy Spirit. But every person who believes in Jesus, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. But there are many Christians that remain a stranger to he who is in. He's in here. And they're confused about that. And there's many tongue-talking Pentecostals that speak in tongues and still don't get the meaning. They've gotten excited over the encounter. And listen, I am excited over encounters. I've had them. And encounters are always experiences with love and mystery and spirit. They're encounters that then elevate you. Revelation takes you above today's theological understanding of who God is. That when God pours out his spirit in your life, when he touches you with those aha moments, guess what he's trying to do? He's trying to get you to transcend what everybody else says he is. He's taking you deeper and higher and further. He's trying to reveal something that we don't... And yet, many times we allow ourselves to be put back in a box. You see, anytime God does something that he's never done before, he drops bread out of heaven. Bam! And they pick it up and they eat it. And then they go, what's this mean? What meaneth this? See, there's always a meaning when God does something new and fresh in our lives. What is this? And we get in such a box because Jesus goes, who do you say that I am? And we go, well, some say. Some say. They say. You understand God doesn't care what they say. They want to know what you say now that you've encountered. They want to know if you understand the meaning behind the voice or the limitations. You see, my grandmother and grandparents, they all had this encounter with God. They had these Pentecostal experiences. And grandmother knew nothing about Greek. She probably couldn't have found Hezekiah. She wouldn't have known. But she recognized the meaning of that voice, that voice that loves her, that voice that was mysterious to her. She knew the meaning of that voice, and she knew she was chosen in him. And it changed her family, not because she understood the hermeneutics or the doctrine, not because she sat in a class, but because she had been kissed by the presence of the Holy Spirit, and that forever altered her voice because she knew she was. Listen, we have been robbed by an academia and a theology that has separated us by divisions because that will never change your life. What will change your life is an encounter with the one who is and was and always will be and is beyond your apprehension. And can I tell you, the political religious systems of a hundred years ago, they called my grandmother a heretic. They told my grandmother she was demon-possessed. You see, when God breaks out and does something renewing through the power of his spirit, the theologies of the time always say, that can't be God. And I'm here to tell you now at 62 years old, who do you think you are that you can define who God is? What qualifies you to determine that God is what God is doing? For you have to understand God will always show up in places you wouldn't think he would. He'll always work through people who you have dismissed. He'll do strange things. And it'll bypass your brain. 
He'll go around you, you stuck in the mud. He'll move this way. That's why he'll set up men's encounters, because he'll go boom, bam, and he'll move through a bunch of drunks. He'll move around that. And God will encounter, and they'll know the meaning of the voice, so they don't understand a thing that's being said. My grandparents and the history of my life, they maintained that. But I have watched the Pentecostal charismatic movement that began in Topeka, FYI, moved to Houston, then onto Azusa Street. I have watched as my Pentecostal heritage what they did. They got tired of being judged by the powers of the church. And so an attempt to fit in, they reached out and grabbed the theology of those that didn't even believe in them, and they superimposed it upon their experience. And when you reach out and superimpose a theological hermeneutic upon an experience that doesn't even believe in the experience, what you do, Kent, is you limit it. And then all of a sudden we got people that say, well, yes, I am spirit-filled, but we don't do that in public. <laughs> well, you know. So, so now what we have is because we don't want to be seen as people that rely on the Holy Spirit and the strangeness of the manifestations of the mysteries of love, we don't do that in public because it confuses people. Honey, love's never confused me. Every time I've experienced love, I was not confused. I was needing that. I need that. Oh, you're not listening to me. And so church, hear me, we need to focus on the spirit of God. You know, we want people to be smart in every other area of their lives. Listen, I don't want a dummy working on my car. Listen, I don't want my children to be dumb when it comes to money. I want them to be intelligible. I don't want no brain surgeon operating on me that didn't go to school. Sorry. But when it comes to spiritual things, I haven't got time to come and learn how to move from trauma to trust. When it comes to spiritual things, I can't make a commitment to come on an extra Saturday night once a month to go a little deeper than what I understand. When it comes to spiritual things, we are satisfied with being stupid. We're satisfied not knowing the meaning of the voice. Can, can I tell you, the only way that the culture of the world is going to survive is if they take a little time to think through it a bit. And to understand that God doesn't want you to adopt things from the outside. He wants us to germinate in this experience of God and allow God to reveal to us what it means to pray in tongues or many other things. Because the purpose of the presence of the Spirit is not simply to pray in tongues. It's not simply to see these miracles. It's to lead us into the understanding of the deeper things of God. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that God has revealed them through his spirit. He searches, yea, all things, just the deeper things. Can I go a little deeper? Can you really? Can you go a little deeper in your spirituality and begin to discern the voice of God and understand that ding that goes off, that bell that rings, that, that mixture? Listen, when God got ready to make his presence known. He didn't tell Moses and David to start by building something. He said, make a box. I'll sit on that box. And by the way, put a pole on it because I'm going to move. When you think you got your theology all set, can I tell you, he'll move a little further. He'll change your doctrine. He'll change your understanding because frankly, you cannot define the undefinable. God is without definition. He's bigger than that. Hmm. To say that he is divine is to lower himself to me. 
To even call him God means he fits into my construct. We, we have to understand that words themselves don't really define who God is. But God has revealed them to us through the Spirit and searches and makes known. And Paul says, we've not received the Spirit of the world, but we've received the Spirit from God that we might know. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to take us into a knowing that's beyond intellect, a knowing that comes experientially, a knowing that comes by experiencing the love and the mystery of God, a mystery that's beyond grasp, but that the power of the Spirit comes to teach us all things and bring all things to our remembrance because the natural man will never grasp these things. They are spiritually discerned. Oh, yeah, Bishop. Yeah, I just don't know if I believe that. I just don't know if I believe in I mean, have you ever heard that? Listen, I've been a Pentecostal my whole life. Yeah, but I just don't, I just don't know if I'm, I just don't know if I'm, well. That's okay. God's not scared by your unbelief. That's okay. It doesn't change who he is just because you don't believe that he works in a spiritual way. He, 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 is, he does not have a low self-esteem. I just don't believe in the power of the Spirit. He goes, that's okay. You will. I just don't think I believe that God does those things. It's okay. Hell is coming to you. Trauma will break out in your life. Problems will emerge. Trials will happen. No one wants to talk about afterlife until they're facing it. No one wants healing until they need it. No one is willing to open up beyond what they think is true until they're standing at the doorway. And then all of a sudden, we need God to mean more than we've ever allowed him to mean before. God will take you through a pit to get you to a palace. God will take you through a process that you call hell. He'll take you into a trauma or a trial or an issue. He'll take you into it. And in the middle of that, you will discover that God is more than you ever knew he was. Because the only way you get out of that is when you recognize that God loves you. Somehow, some way, in the hopelessness of life, I heard, I heard Katie say that in the midst of the hopelessness, hope was born. See, hope isn't born unless you're in a hopeless situation because no one hopes for that which they see. See, listen, God doesn't get mad just because I don't believe in that charismatic stuff. He doesn't wonder. It's interesting. He's, he's the same all the time and all the time he's the same. He doesn't, he doesn't change by... He doesn't get shook. Oh, come on. You, you remember the story of the man that wrestled with God? He wrestled with the Lord. And then when he got done, he walked with a distinct limp. My grandma used to say, don't trust nobody, don't walk with no limp, boy. <laughs> they don't walk with a limp, they don't know him. If they ain't been through some things, Dwayne, they don't know him. When they come out on the other side of them things and they walk with a limp, you know they wrestled with the Lord and the Lord won. And he Listen, if you ain't been through nothing, I don't know that you know him. Because you really get to know someone when you live through 42 years and some of it wasn't pretty. You really know someone after you've been through a challenge in your marriage or two and you keep on going through it. But some of you think that the only way you get through it is both of you are really perfect. I got news for you. I ain't. It's when you suffer through some things. You mean I got to suffer? Oh no, you don't have to, but you will. And in those midst of those traumas and those trials and those wrestling moments in that pit that becomes the process that reveals his presence, in that midst of that, you'll, you'll understand that that presence will carry you into the palace. And in that palace, he'll reveal who he is to the rest of the world because God is in us. He's not up there. 
He's not over there. He's not in your perfected state. He's in your messed up state. I'm, I'm driving. Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. How do you lose Jesus? I mean, he was born in a manger. I mean, you got Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes. You run to Egypt to keep him safe. You move to Galilee so that he's not in Jerusalem. He's 12 years old. You go to town and you lose Jesus. How stupid can you be? I mean, seriously, every time I read this, you lost. It'd be like losing Cashton. You did what? I mean, I'm, I'm wanting to put my... And it's funny. It says they looked for him, couldn't find him. And then when they found him, he looks at them. I think, I, I really think he went, you of all people should know where I've been. Right? Mary really reveals how little they knew. She goes, your father and I. Eh, he ain't dad. He ain't. Your father and I have been looking all over. You know how many Christians I know are looking all over for Jesus? They're looking all over trying to find God. They're searching. Can't find God. We lost God. We, want, we don't feel him anymore. We used to feel him, but now we don't feel him anymore. I just don't feel the excitement. I've lost you. I've misplaced. And Jesus said, I've been in a temple the whole time. Listen, you of all people need to know, I came, I'm in my father's house. I'm in the temple and I'm doing the work or the business of the Lord. That's where I have been. That's where I will always be. You should never question where Jesus is at. He's here. You ought to know that. Can I tell you something? You are the temple of the most high God. He ain't out there. He's right there in you. And he's working his business inside of you. Just because you don't feel him and feel him and him, you mamby pamby. Grow up. Turn your hat around. Pull your pants up. Listen, I got news for you. Some of you girls need to know them tight things. They ain't hiding nothing. Ain't hiding nothing. They ain't helping you. And listen to me. I walked down the airport a couple days ago and this dude's pants hung down to here and his shorts are up here. Pull them up, Jack. I don't want to see that crack. You've allowed the culture to convince you that tight is good and that low is nice. They lying to you. I'm taking pictures of people going, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> what did it have to do with anything? I don't know. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, you've been looking in the wrong place. You've been trying to fit into the world and he ain't in the world. He's in a temple and he's in you. You're the presence where he's at. Look, look, look down in here. He's down in there. You gotta go a little deeper. The Holy Spirit is searching deeper, not out there in you. Deep down inside of you is who you really are. Deep in there is the presence of God hidden under tight pants and low pants, hidden under all that. Spiritually intellectual people know he's in me. And I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And I'm right there. And you don't need to be afraid about it. He ain't lost. 
You're blind. You can't see. Why? Because the meaning of it is down inside of you. Listen, if they had known who Jesus was, they wouldn't have killed him. They would not have killed him. Why? Because in him dwelt all the fullness of God. In him was everything. And when they killed him, that seed cracked open. And everything that was in him got in every one of us. And now instead of just being one son in one location, there's many sons all over the world. And what was in him is now in us. Yeah, they ought to have been dangerous because you kill him, he multiplied. He went boom everywhere. You and I are the manifestation of the Christ in the world right now. And we're telling them to look up when they ought to be looking at us. Look at me, such as I have, I'll give unto you. I know who I am in Christ. I know I'm a child. And that love can, oh my God. This is good preaching, Quentin. If they had known, they wouldn't have killed him. You know what? God's not happy with one son's. He wants many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Where did you get all this stuff from Mrs. Shepherd in the basement of First Nazarene Church in Severy, Kansas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can anything good come out of Severy? Many sons. He wants many expressions of who he is. Some of you are bad expressions. You didn't get it. But you're his. Some of you have been condemned because maybe you're not the best expression, but you're still his expression. It's okay. This may not be great, but it's him. Oh, you didn't get it. See, religion says if you're a bad expression, we don't want you. But in God's family, he doesn't hide Pete. If it had been me, I'd hide Pete. Pete was an idiot. I would not have let Pete be the first pope. He denied the Lord. Some of you, I know. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Listen, it wasn't resurrection he was happy about. He already knew he was going to be resurrected. He didn't walk out of the tomb and go, I'm out of the tomb. It wasn't resurrection. The joy that he was anticipating is you. You are his joy. Every one of you. And yet within the church, we look at one another and we're not very joyful over what we see. Oh, you didn't get it. He looked at you and endured the cross. He looked at you and endured the pit. He, endured, he looked at you and he said, oh, for them, for them, I'll carry this cross. I was talking to somebody yesterday and they were telling me, well, I think, Bishop, I had a calling, but you know, I just rejected it. I had a calling to serve the Lord and, you know, I've just resisted it. Really? You can resist the call of God? Huh. Tell that to Jonah. Tell that to Jonah. I mean, you don't get to resist the call of God. You, you have options. You can do it the whale way. Or you can do it the easy way. I don't think the love of God can really be resisted. Hmm. Hmm. Doriana fish? Hmm, never mind. Yeah, yeah. 
that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the holy ones what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses your brain that you may be filled with the fullness of God. See, the Holy Spirit comes so that you can comprehend this love that's incomprehensible. So that you can understand the meaning of the sound and not get caught up in the words of it. Because love that is deeply embedded inside of us recognizes that love. How many believe that Christ is in you? I mean, mean, seriously, come on, come on, don't be ashamed. Christ is in me. I know I am. I know he is. I'm the temple of the Lord. He is in me. Then listen to Paul when he says, who has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Say sealed and given. The Holy Spirit. He puts the Holy Spirit and Paul writes in Ephesians, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you have been sealed. Say sealed. How many know God's in there? My grandmother's canned stuff. I mean, if you could grow it, they canned it. They canned tomatoes, okra, green beans. They canned everything. Come on, Annette, help me out. What do you do right before you put that lid on that thing? You heat it up and you, you do what? You heat it. Oh, I could go somewhere with this heating up thing. I hadn't even thought about heating it up. I got to heat you up. I got to get you warm. I got to get you hot. I got to get you filled with a fire. Because anywhere the spirit is, there's fire. There's heat in there. And then I put this seal stuff on it and I screw it down. Now, why do you seal it, Annette? Oh, my God. And, and then that seal keeps bad stuff out and good stuff in. Now look, and I'm using a stupid metaphor, but hold on here. If it, something is sealed in there, it ain't coming out. If he's in there, guess what ain't coming out? Him. He ain't coming out until someone breaks that. You got to break the, in order for him to Now, I'm ripping on theology that needs to be ripped on. He sealed himself in you. If you go to the end of the book, you'll find out there's only one that can break the seal. Say with me. Oh, my God. He is sealed in me. Did you know the only way for God to get himself back to where he came from is to drag you with him? Because he is in you. So now as he returneth to the Father, guess who's going to the Father? Whoever he's sealed in, he's dragging me back there. He's taking this tomato home. He's taking this pickle home. He's taking this... Listen, he's sealing you. Some of you need to understand, you've been preached a heresy that told you that that thing could be broken. No, it cannot. If he gets in there, he's sealing there. He'll never leave. He'll never forsake. He'll never not get you to where you're going. Oh, sister, that's good. That good, that good. Man, that's good. Touch your other neighbor and say, I'm sealed. I'm sealed. Ain't nobody going to break that seal. When I get to where I'm going, Jesus is going to break that seal and me inside of there, it's going to come out. I've been preserved through hell in order to get. Ooh, yes, I will. Drag me through it, Lord. Drag me through the valley of Baca. Take me through the valley of the shadow of death. But he who is in me is greater than he who's in the world. He will preserve me and sustain me. Uh, 
Yeah, but this pickle's doing stupid stuff. Yeah, but it's all right, that pickle's sealed. In conclusion. Now, I want you to understand when I'm concluded, I'll be concluded. I used to worry about having many conclusions. And then I read this little verse. One day with the Lord is like a thousand years. So in conclusion, today... <laughs> you didn't get it, but you will. About half past, you'll get it. Romans says, For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait in patience. Likewise, also, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we don't know what, what, what. Didn't say how. Teach me how to pray. No, what to pray. I don't know what to pray when we should pray. But the Spirit himself makes intercession with us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Listen to me. When the Spirit prays, it ain't me. There are times you get into and you don't know what to pray. You'll be praying, oh, Lord, get them out of jail. Oh, Lord, don't let them lose their job. Oh, Jesus, help them. And the Holy Spirit is on the inside going, Lord, keep them in jail because Bubba's going to lead them to Christ. Lord, let them lose that job because they're going to go cart a business on their own. You see, if you knew what to pray, you would resist praying it because you wouldn't think it would be God. So God prays through you with a tongue that you don't understand. Are you telling me I got to pray in tongues? No, I'm telling you, you don't know what to pray unless he does it. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than y'all. I wished you would. But some of you have been so brainwashed. Well, if he wanted me to have it, he'd give it to me. Listen, it says all things he searches and makes all things known that have been freely given to you. I thought you said we're not talking about tongues. No, we're not. We're talking about you being rebellious. We're talking about you not spending the time to go deeper in yourself and with the Lord and pull out the blockages that have kept you from experiencing the meaning of his name. Oh, I'm coming. I'm coming. Say, yes, I will. Say, yes, I will. Say, yes, I will. I'll go a little deeper and bypass the stuff I was told. I'll go a little deeper than my flesh that resists what I don't understand. Hmm. Well, we go to that place and they don't get loud and, you know, they, 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 they give us about 15 minutes of how-tos. Hmm. And now we feel good. But they don't know the meaning of the sound, of the voice, of the Spirit of God. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, in our traumas, in our trials, in our struggles that we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions with us with groanings which cannot be uttered. For he searches the hearts who knows the mind of Christ is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for the good. You do not know that. Unless you have gone through the weaknesses and the trials and the pains and allowed the Holy Spirit to take over in your life, then you will know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. You can't take that verse out of context and claim all things work together unless you've been in things that weren't too good. 
And when you've been in things that are painful and hard and you have to surrender your prayer life up to another, then you will know. Because you'll know the meaning of the one that's now on the inside of you, helping you through situations that you would never have gotten through on your own. I've got to hurry. In conclusion... Wow. Then the king instructed, instructed Azpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language or the tongue, the sound, and the literature of the Chaldeans. Nebuchadnezzar went into Israel, the people of God, the sons and the daughters of God, and he captured the best. Smart, good-looking, intelligent people. And he brings them back into the kingdom of Babylon. And you see, he didn't want to enslave them by putting them in prison. He wanted to release the talents and the gifts that were in them because they were the children of God. He wanted those gifts and those talents to work in his kingdom. And so he doesn't bring them in here and put them in prison. He brings in there and he says, teach them a new language. Change their language. Change their names. And change the meal that they've been celebrating and give them my food. Listen, the way you enslave people and yet benefit from who they are is change their language. Because if they keep speaking the language they spoke when they were in the kingdom of God, they'll always remember that kingdom. And they'll always want to return. If you keep Using their names, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They'll remember their connection, their identity with God. If you can get them to eat a different food than that food of covenant, they will lose their identity. And they'll forget the meaning of what it means to be the people of God. Listen carefully to me. This is not a message necessarily about speaking in tongues. But it is a message about adopting a language that is not ours. It is a message about beginning to speak with a voice that is not ours. It is a message that has to speak with the voice of love, of kindness, of goodness, of forgiveness, of mercy... It is reminding us that we've been given a language. And hear me, hear me hard. I was raised in this camp. We allowed the last 40 years to take away from us our ability. When it moves beyond my understanding to express what I know is down on the inside of me. It is very easy for me to allow him to begin to pray and speak that which he desires and not what I understand. Some of you have been robbed. Some of you are continually being robbed because you won't allow God to go deeper in your faith 
move you beyond this. America, you listen to me. Are you listening to me? You've allowed the church growth movement to move you into a place where you have respectability and accessibility, and so you have diminished the meaning of the voice of the power of God. Churches are big. They're large. They're voting blocks that can be used to vote certain ways, but they have not the meaning of the voice of God within because they've lost the language of the God that knows how to make the sound that will heal your life. You need to recover. You need to renew. You need to be redeemed. You need to be reconciled, restored, regenerated. You need that. And this pastor is getting old enough now. 15 years ago, we were crazy charismatics. Can I tell you something? We're still crazy charismatics. 15 years ago, I understood we had to recover a meal. But that didn't mean I was going to leave the power of the Spirit. Had to recover a meal. Throughout that time, the understanding of recovering identity. Why do you think Pete's here with a bunch of people sitting here and all they do is study identity? Good Lord. Understand me. I'll end with two stories. Touch your neighbor and say, I want my language back. I want that voice back. I need that voice back. Listen, this isn't up for debate. This isn't a debatable issue. Theologians debate. Two stories. I introduced one of them to you again a couple weeks ago. Remember the story of Hosea? Remember the prophet? You know, prophet means they were in tune with the Spirit of God to understand what God was saying at that moment, right? A, a, a prophet is someone that hears and speaks, right, Kent? Stuff that the prophet Hosea was told, listen, I don't want you to say anything, but I want you to go marry that woman down on the street that's a prostitute. I want you to marry somebody that's not cute. I want you to marry somebody that doesn't measure up. I want you to go find a sinner and die for this. I want you to go measure. Listen, how many of you know you're called the bride of Christ? God comes and marries us when we ain't cute. God comes and chooses us before we even smell good. God come, doesn't come and choose people that are perfumed and ready. He doesn't choose someone that, oh, they, they just they satisfy the other half of me. He doesn't choose someone because they're worthy or they should. He just goes down the road and chooses the worst thing you can choose. And he marries. How many of you know he married you before you were worthy to be married? Hmm. Come on. How many of you know that? He married me, chose me. I'm his beloved and his bride. And I didn't deserve it. I know what I was doing when he chose to marry me. And here's the stupid thing. Once he marries her, moves her into the prophet's house, she just keeps doing the same old stupid stuff she is always doing. Don't you just hate it when someone comes to Jesus and they, they just keep doing the stupid stuff? They hate doing it. Someone need to tell him. I don't think they're saved. I think they backslid. I think they just still. Have you ever received something but didn't appreciate what you had? But we told them that did, they didn't, you didn't really get it. If you'd really got it, you'd have changed your behavior. Tell that to Gomer. And Gomer just kept doing what she's doing, has three kids that don't even belong to Hosea. She spends 34, 35 years, according to theologians, just giving herself to every man she could. She just becomes, she, used, she wastes her life. Disease riddled in the back alley. They put her up on a block 
And they're going to auction her for 15 shekels. And God speaks to Hosea and says, she's your wife. You married her. Now go redeem her. Reconcile. Do you know, I can't. I can only reconcile people that have been one at some time or another. I can, I can help reconcile Tom and Tana because Tom and Tana have known each other. You can't reconcile somebody that's never known anybody. He didn't come to introduce himself to you. He came to reintroduce himself to you. And he walks down that aisle, down that alley, and there she is having wasted this precious gift of wedded covenant. I wonder... When the voice of the prophet, that's my wife. She can waste everything I've given her, but you will never own her. You'll never own her. I'll buy her back because she's mine. She may have wasted her life, but can I tell you, she'll never belong to another. Do you understand that you may waste your life, but he'll never let somebody else I wonder what happened in her heart when she heard the sound of his voice, Kent. I wonder. I wonder what happens in our heart when we hear that voice, I love you. I've been with you. Can you, can you hear it? That's for Gentiles. All of us, most of us are Gentiles. Second story. Son, born a son. Always going to be a son. Ran away from home. Wasted his inheritance. Lived with pigs and prostitutes. Wasted it. The father didn't go to the son. The Bible says the son came to himself and got up and went home. Some of you need to understand the Father doesn't have come to you. He's already in you. He's been with you throughout that stupid journey. And you can hear his voice on the inside. And you can get up and go home. You hear me, the sound of his voice. For some of us, it's deep down inside of here. For some of you, you were chosen and he's calling from the outside. Down inside of you, you know you're loved. Down inside of you, deep buried in there, you can hear. Everyone in this room, everyone in this room needs to hear I love you. Everyone in this room needs to know you belong to me. You're welcome here. I'll never let go of you. I'm going to drag you home with me. Every one of you need to know that. I've been doing this so long. I got one message. Jesus loves you and he always will. I got one message and I just preach it a thousand ways. And I'm getting emboldened to stand up in front of religious bigots and say, you're wrong. And the reason you're wrong is you keep listening to the sound of your own words and not to the sound of his prophetic voice. Are you hearing me? Now listen, 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 listen. We are called to be the Hosea. 
just as I leaned into that baby and Ashley leaned over me. Who do you think taught Ashley to coo to that baby? Mom and I taught Ashley to coo to her baby. Listen, we're supposed to be people that walk into the trauma of other people's life. Are you listening, Katie? We're supposed to be people that walk into the trauma of other people's life. Maybe even trauma of their own choosing. And we're supposed to speak with a sound that gives them the strength. Are you listening to me? Prophetic people speak with the sound. Hadn't got a lot. I hear people all the time say, I didn't understand that thing that prophet said. I didn't get it. That's because you weren't listening for the sound. You were listening to the words. I used to worry when I would give a prophetic word if it made any sense. And then I went in my office, sat down, the Lord said, it doesn't make a lick of sense. Because it came through you. But he said, if they were listening for me, they got it. Man, if you're in this room this morning, listen, salvation is not found down here repeating after me. That's not where salvation's found because it has no depth. Salvation is found when you live with me. When you walk with me and I hold your hand for 34 years. And I reveal that God loves you in the midst of your divorces and in the midst of your deaths and in the midst of your trials and your surgeries. In the midst of your mess up and I just keep living this thing. Spirit of God has lived in the midst of life. Salvation is not found because you said something down here one day. Salvation is the, the result of a life that's lived together. We've cheapened it by saying, repeat after me. One of you in this room this morning told me, well, I prayed that prayer. I got saved once. Listen, if you believe Jesus is Lord, he moved on the inside of you. He's sealed in there. Go deep enough, you'll find his voice. Walk with us a little bit, and you'll become more familiar with that voice. In conclusion, I would apologize for taking your time, but I have such little chance to get it. I just take the most of it when I got it.